Well, we spent quite a number of weeks looking at a church um, that was led by a man called Philemon, who had a slave who ran away. And we used it to think about, actually, what does it look like for churches that uh, begin to make a difference in the world? And um, in a sense, I suppose after doing five weeks of Philemon, um, what I guess the one thing we said was this. You change the world not by grand gesture, but by the way you respond to everyday situation. When we think about, you know, can the gospel change the world, it's often grand gesture you're looking at. No, 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 no. It happens through the way you respond to everyday situations. And we talked about what that looked like for a church community. But what I want to do is go on a little further and think about what about when we're not together, the character, what sort of people are we that can actually see change happen around us? What needs to happen to us? What's the characteristics of people who see a world change? What sort of life do we need to be living? And what this series has in common with the previous series is all of this will work out in ordinary life, in your ordinary life. You don't need to do something heroic for God. It's actually just, how do you deal with the ordinary? I don't think, for most of us, we will ever get to a stage where we go, do you know, that was remarkable. It will just be a series of right decisions within the context that we know so well over a long period of time. But it does make a difference. We're going to look at a list that Peter, the Apostle Peter, in his second letter, uses as a base. And in a moment or two, we'll read that together. But to Peter, the second letter of Peter to the churches in Turkey, is another one of these little books of the Bible that you kind of easily skim over. It's towards the end of the New Testament. And... Let me just tell you what's going on in the letter before we look at what I want to say. Peter was aware that the Christians at the time were facing a number of challenges. And there were three in his little letter that he he picks up on. Now, in a sense, we're not going to look at these again. I just want to let you know there's a bigger picture. The first is that some folks said, your faith is all just made up. Just clever stories. It's not real. It's not real. And Peter knew that that was really important not to go with. I think it's increasingly important when people might go, well, it seems to do you good, but if it's true or not, it doesn't matter. Peter wanted to go, no, actually, if this faith, our faith, is not built on something solid, then all we're doing is singing songs that create a nice atmosphere or raise some sort of goosebumps on our arms. But that's not enough. Paul, Peter said, actually, I want you to know, and he picks on one thing that he was present at. He said, when Jesus was transfigured, when he was on that mountain, and we, saw, we heard God speak to him, and we saw Jesus magnified, that event we will never forget. Because suddenly we saw something that changed everything that we believed. 
Peter said, don't let people tell you it's just a made-up story. Rely on eyewitnesses. The second thing he said is that in the church, within the religious sphere, there are some people who use leadership to abuse, they abuse their positions. They rip people off. And they abuse and they do damage. And Peter wanted to say, he wanted to say it's wrong, but he wanted to say, God's going to act because he's done it before. I've said this loads of times, and I don't apologize for saying it again. In the Christian church, there are too many examples of men, and sometimes women, but mostly men, who've abused their situation for money, sex, or power, and they've trampled on people, and they've done it in the name of God. God will not let them get away with it. God will not let them get away with it. It sickens us, and it shouldn't be like that. But Peter said, God will act. One of the things that runs through the New Testament is this. So be careful, you that have responsibility for other people, that you don't find yourself drifting into the same situation. You might want to widen it. Be careful, you that teach children or walk backwards over mats. Be careful that you, you don't become hard and use power inappropriately. Be careful, you, that have people that you're responsible for in work, that you miss their humanity. And for those of us in church, be careful, because money, sex, and power lurk at the door, but God sees. And the third thing that Peter said is this. People say, at his time, they said, ah, you keep talking that Jesus is going to return. Well, it's not happened yet, has it? And Peter goes, well, no, it hasn't, but it will. But the reason that God holds off is because God is patient and he wants people to know him. You know, why hasn't Jesus just come and finished it all off? It'd be great, wouldn't it? Because God is patient for those that you love. That's why it takes time. So Peter's writing a letter to people who are facing some people who go, it's all made up. Some people are going, there's, there's some leadership around here that's really bad. And the accusation that Jesus hasn't come again. But in the middle of that, or at the beginning of that letter, he says, but what about you? And what about me? How will we act? What will we look like? It's easy to become cynical because of some of the things you see, isn't it? The longer you've been a Christian, the more it's easy to be cynical. The more you've been around church stuff, the more you're able to go, ah, oh, yeah. But Peter says, not with us. Because we've been given something precious and we've been called to build on it. So I'm going to ask Helen to come and read uh, the scriptures for us, and we'll begin. Uh, Adam, can you move the slides on for, for us while we're reading that? That would be great. Thank you. Oh, my. <laughs> 
Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add, faith, add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to per perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Thank you very much, Helen. Well, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. It's easy to imagine that this is a sermon series that will make us all feel inadequate. All right? But that's not what Peter intends. It's easy to imagine that it's you must, you should type preaching. But it's not how Peter begins. Did you hear what? Helen read, his divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Just pause there for a minute. He's explaining what's already happened to you. And as followers of Jesus, you have been given everything you need. You've been given everything you need. You've been given everything you need to live a godly life. You've been given everything you need to live up to the calling. He called you. You've been given everything you need that you might participate in the divine nature. You might have a life in God. This is your inheritance. Some of us sit in seats and we go, I think I'm just rubbish Christian, yeah? And you think, oh, everybody else looks like they've really got it together, but, but not me. What Peter says to Christians in Turkey around AD 90-ish, so about 19, what's that, 1900 years ago, give or take, you've been given what you need. 
Now, the reason we belong to church is because actually what we want to do is help one another know what we do with what we've been given. But I just want you to hear this and hear it really clearly. God has given you what you need to live your life really well. It's already with you. It's already in your hands. It's not about us working harder. In Ephesians, Paul has written this. In the New Testament, it's about faith. You know, in Christian circles, sometimes people say, you need more faith. And sometimes when you're talking with non-Christians, they go, I wish I had your faith. But what do we say to one another? We say, it was a gift. Because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It's by grace you've been saved. Later on, he'll say, by grace, same chapter, by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. I wonder if we would tell our stories together. Let's just try this. How many of you, if you were explaining why you became a Christian, would say, I was in a bit of a mess, and I just kind of said words to the effect of, Oh, God, if you're there, please help. How many of you became Christians all the way back because of something like that? You were just aware you were in a bit of a mess. Just put your hand up. Put your hand up. Don't be ashamed. Yeah. Okay. How many of you would say, it just all seemed to come together? I kind of, I just, it just all made sense. And I decided I would commit my life to that. I would put my hand up for that. Okay. Some more of you. How many of you would say, I wasn't really trying hard to believe, it just seemed that out of nowhere, I heard the good news and it just sounded like good news? Yeah? A few of you? And how many of you would say, I've never really doubted. I kind of just always have known that he's there. Yeah, a few more of you. Okay. Now I'm now a bit worried about at least half of you. What do our stories tell us? It tells us this. Before you went looking, God was looking for you. That God knew you and he came searching for you because you're precious to him. Jesus uses all sorts of stories, doesn't he? But one of the brilliant stories is the good shepherd. Jesus says, I'm like a shepherd, and I got 99 of my hundred sheep in the fold, and then one stupid sheep got lost. And what Jesus said is, a good shepherd doesn't say, well, that's not bad average, is it? And if they're so daft as to wander off, so be it, they'll learn their lesson. Jesus says, no, the good shepherd says, I've got 99 in, but I'm coming to look for the one who's lost. 
And it's what Jesus has always been in the business of doing, looking for those of us who are lost. And how many of us know that that's not just a conversion story, but that's a Christian life story? (laughs) Where Jesus comes and keeps looking for me, when through my stupidity or my stubbornness or my tendency to wander, he says, I'm going to come and get you. It's the Christian story. It's how you get in. Because essentially, to change the metaphor, God throws you a life belt and goes, hang on. All you've got to do is hang on. All you've got to trust is that there is, this is a message that will make sense of the whole of your life. Everything that's gone past and everything that is to come. It's the gospel. It's faith. What is faith then? Well, faith tr- is the trust that this story of God's intervention that comes into our mess and our sin offers us a bedrock of life. That when someone tells you that Jesus died for you and rose for you, that you go, well, if that's true, I'm going to trust that story for myself. Because I know I'm not good enough and strong enough to do it on my own. And I guess many of us this morning would go, yeah, I'm, I'm in. And it's really nice to hear it again, but I'm in. And then Peter says, okay, once you're in, what do you do? And then he starts this sort of, and it is almost like a stepped approach. He says, well, to your faith, this faith that you already have because it was given to you, which is a gift, either a gift of conversion and actually a gift of the Spirit, but to your faith... Now, will you make every effort to add these characteristics to your life? And I suppose what this means is, you don't just sort of sit back and go, well, I'm in, I'm ready for heaven, anytime you like, Lord. Because actually, God's got a bigger purpose for you than just taking you to heaven. The gospel is not you get saved and then go to heaven. The gospel is you get saved, you become part of a new creation, and you live for the glory of God. Now make every effort to put into your life these characteristics. And over the weeks, we will look at those characteristics. Why? A couple of things. A long time ago now, I read a book called, um, by a, a guy called Tony Hendry called Father Joe Saved My Life. And it was a story about that man who was a monk. And Tony Hendra was, or is, a a, a journalist uh, with an alcohol problem. And he talked about how meeting Father Joe changed his life because he heard the gospel and that enabled him to live a different sort of life. But when he described Father Joe, this is what he wrote about him. I knew I'd just met a man from whom would come none of the usual responses I'd learned to expect from priests. Some unknown fuel drove his engine. Gentleness bubbled out from the funny figure in the scruffy black robes like clear water from solid rock. I fell on the brink of learning an entirely new set of possible responses to the world. Isn't that brilliant? I want to be... Father Joe, when I grow up. Wouldn't you want to be that sort of person? 
I love that he goes, I met none of the usual responses that you would expect from a priest. Now that kind of is perhaps closer to my world than to your world. But just insert Christian there. I met none of the usual uh, responses I'd expect from a Christian. Some gentleness bubbled up from him, from his soul. I felt on the brink of learning an entirely new set of possibilities, uh, possible responses to to the world. Jesus said it. He said, those who are born of the Spirit are like the wind. You don't know where they come from. Interestingly, it's not the Spirit you don't know where it comes from. It's actually people. Because actually, the way they respond is not the way you expect. What does the world expect? Judgment, condemnation, hardness, self-centeredness. What does the Spirit do? A whole new set of possible responses to the world. And at our best, we do that, don't we? At our best, we are like that. Oh, Jesus, please help me to be more like that. How? By growing. By adding to my faith, by making every effort to put goodness And we'll look at that next week. What does it mean to be good? Or growing in knowledge, growing in perseverance, growing in self-control, growing in mutual affection and godliness, growing in love. Do you notice where it starts and where it finishes? Faith and love. In addition to hope... Those are the three characteristics that Jesus gives you. Faith, hope, and love. It begins with faith, the gift that God has given us. And we make every effort to grow. I think I would prefer it if I could just say to God, Lord, here I am. I really love you. Can you make me good? Here I am, Lord. Um, I love you. Can you give me self-control? I think what I'd like is for God just to do sort of like a complete personality bypass and download a whole new system. I think those who love me and live closest to me would like that as well. But it's not the way. You've been given so much. I've been given so much. I've been given faith. I'm going to make every effort to grow. I'm going to make every effort to grow. In the week, I was looking back over uh, the church's Facebook page, and I was looking for pictures, and there was a picture I was particularly looking for, and I didn't find it. But what I did find was something that I wrote in 2015. And I thought, that's not bad. There's no humility you have to grow in. Um, I thought, that's not bad, and it's this. And it's this where I want to leave you. The reason we are in Salford is because God loves our city. Just hold that for a moment. The reason the church of Jesus is in Salford is because God loves our city.
The reason he's brought people together like you and me is that we might be a model of a different way of living in Salford because God's not finished with Salford. And the reason he's gifted you and I is that we might know how to respond when we get into situations we don't know how to deal with. That's why we're together. That's why his spirit is at work in us. That's why he's calling you and I to keep on growing. Because he loves the city that we live in. Because he loves the people that we're surrounded by. And it's not always easy. And you will be um, challenged. And we find ourselves in situations we don't know what to do. And the Spirit says, I will lead you and I will guide you. So over these next weeks, we're going to start by asking ourselves, well, how do we grow? What does it mean to make every effort? What does it mean to be a people who go, I know what I've been given, and I know what I'm being called to, and I know what God wants me to. How do we do that work of growth? But today, I want to tell you this. You've been given everything you need. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness. You've been given everything that your calling might be secure. You've been given everything because you are loved by him, you are filled by him, you are called by him, you are saved by him. And if you're not sure, this is a moment when you could be. This is a moment where the offer is made to you. Most of us became Christians because someone said, do you want to become a Christian? (laughs) Do you want to get in? And it happened in all sorts of ways. But it was a response to God. And I want to ask you the same. And I want to say to those of us who are perhaps like the sheep that's strayed a little bit, come home. Jesus comes to look for you. And to those of you who are not certain yet, this is the moment where you can say, I want it. I'm going to pray. And it's a really simple prayer, and it's a prayer that many of us have heard many times before. It's a prayer of salvation. But if you know it's the prayer you would want to pray, then just just put your hand up. I think it does two things. I think it tells yourself, I want this. And I think it's helpful because you indicate to other people, And people can help you. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you that there's not one of us that's not included in the offer. Thank you that you knew us long before we knew you. And thank you that you are for us. 
And Lord Jesus, today, we want to say yes to the offer of salvation. Yes to you. Thank you that you died for us, that we might be forgiven. Thank you that you were raised to life, that we might live. Lord Jesus, today, we accept that offer again and for the first time. If you prayed that prayer with me, if that prayer means anything, makes any sense to you this morning, then just raise your hand. Just raise your hand and then we'll move on. Okay. I can see a couple of folks. If it means something to you, then just put your hand up. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Lord, for those who respond, may your spirit fill them with new life, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.